Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Summit Podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful weekend. Uh, before we jump into our uh, story or our topic today for discussion, I want to introduce my co-host, Micah Current. Micah, how are you doing today? I'm ready for an interesting topic. Oh, my gosh. Now, after after what we've witnessed, or at least because I saw it from the beginning to the end, you came in halfway through. Um, uh, I was about 20 afterwards, minutes late. You're 20 minutes late. So afterwards, were you like, okay, I need to go stream some Mario World on my streaming channels because I'm just that frustrated? Um, Actually, you know, before we start recording, you're talking about going to a metal show. Um. <laughs> I had to crank some metal music or something heavy or oh, after man. after uh, listening to that. I was at work when when that was going on, and um, I was watching it on you know on the side and you know while I was working. And um, and your coworkers kept hearing you groan like, "Ugh." Yeah, they were like, "What are you watching?" And I'm like, "That's too much to explain to you." So... <laughs> <laughs> it's like trying to explain like the toxic dynamics of my family you know like my aunt and my uncles and and everything else like for me it'd be the like, crazy family members at dinner or i'm sorry the crazy family members at christmas dinner or the holidays you know something like that oh my gosh yeah so if you don't know what we're talking about um we're talking i guess this whole topic like michael you said before this is a story that's gone wild in itself Uh, But we're going to go and reflect on the town hall meeting that the Church of God, um, Anderson, Indiana, put out. That's uh, the denomination, said the D word, (laughs) the (laughs) denomination that Micah and I are currently uh, a part of. So um, now the point of these town hall meetings is just because after... It, it seemed like it kind of spawned from last year, um, from not only our general assembly, because there's a lot of questions people want to ask that at GA that they didn't get an opportunity to answer due to time. So they're trying to answer those questions. Um, and then uh, they kind of keep doing it because there's sometimes would be things that happen within our denomination that um, that apparently um, gets talked about so then they have to address these questions or at least our general our general director has to address these questions um so so that's pretty much what we are and i would say you know there's a couple times i've i've seen almost every town hall um that has been since ga and um a lot of times you know they could be hit or miss as far as okay, this is really good. They address some really good things to kind of clarify some things. And then there have been some other things which I'm like, uh, like they definitely kind of inadvertently, they, they kind of answered it, but they kind of didn't. They kind of inadvertently like went around the whole thing, which I know the first question, they kind of did that a little bit. So, um, but for the most part, like, you know, they're, they are what they are. They're either great or they're kind of like, eh, you know they're they're all right uh but this one however was like a whole new level of cringe from not only what was the topics being discussed uh to the responses to even what was happening in the comment section which was um which kind of That's probably the most entertaining part. Yeah, well, yeah, the comment section was entertaining but I mean it kind of really shows just kind of how Um, divided divided, but then also when we had Jeanette on like last year she said you know the church of God needs to figure out who we are because we don't have an identity or we've lost our identity and through the comment section you could easily clearly see that you could easily see that um, happening playing out Uh, so uh, let's get down to it so Michael you're 20 minutes late so for the first, I mean, this thing was long. It was probably like over an hour, but I'd say probably like the first 20 to 25 minutes was just uh, Jim. And I can't remember the guy who he was talking to. There was another guy there to address it. Um, but they're just kind of talking about unity. They're talking about holiness and unity and how 
we simply just need to kind of have the conversation. We need to talk about some of these things that we have a difference of opinion of or, and, and so there's all these things that they're saying and it's, and, and so you're like, okay, you know, and, you know, talk about being able to be people who cultivate fruits of the spirit and, you know, so that was pretty much it. And I thought, okay, this is pretty good. Like, and then we start getting into the questions and right when we start getting into the questions, it was just like, oh gosh. And so, um, yeah. So, um, the crazy thing is, is that while they were talking and especially in the first half, Micah, there'd be times where Jim would make a example. He'd do an illustration and he would be talking about, and he mentioned watching cable news and how sometimes watching cable news, whether it's Fox News or CNN, uh, sometimes can divide us because we get so taken by that thing. But instead of saying the, instead of saying like, you know, we can easily get swept up by listening to talk radio or cable news or whatever, he kept using the phrase you. You can easily get caught up and um, and kept making these you statements. And it was very interesting because one person wrote in the comment section, wrote, you, 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 sounds defensive when talking about the group of people who signed a letter. Wish you had kept it to us and we. Wish you would have sought common ground. You're missing it. And that's why the Church of God is becoming divided. Mm. So obviously there's... Um, a lot of people who, and again, if you don't understand what the reference is to signed a letter, um, they're talking about Church of God Affirm, which we had talked about at length um, last, last year. Last year, I mean, we talked about it when we first found out about it. We kind of talked about it when I got the initial uh, reaction and responses from Nick and Karma. And then we talked about it a third time when we had Nick and Karma on our show. We really just sat down and had the conversation to talk about it and kind of understand where they're coming from, uh, what they're going to do. And even Nick himself says, yeah, we're probably not going to go to GA to try to do it because I don't think we'll have the votes. And really, we're just trying to, at least from the, our conversation, what I got is, you know, we're just trying to say, hey, can our churches be welcoming and safe places for the LGBTQ community? And that was kind of what they really wanted, um, which I feel like a lot of people don't really either a believe that or b didn't get that from what for whatever reasons. Um, so, yeah. Well, whether well, whether that's what it is or not, we heard it from them. We heard it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Like they yeah. told us that that's what their goal was. Whether people believe that or not, like you and I aren't professional journalists, or you know. <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're not like, uh -huh. we do this, we do this because we feel like we want to, we want to, you know, A, it's, it's fun for us to do. B, it's, it's a good ministry outlet. You know, C, you know, people can take it for what they want as a grain of salt. You know, you know, that's your, I mean, it's your podcast, obviously, but like, yeah. I, I just think that like people can take it for a grain of salt. They can believe what they want to believe. And so like, for me, it's like, well, we didn't, we didn't say those things. We had the people that are a part of that group on this show. And, and not just state... people part of, and again, not people part of the group, the people who founded this yes. whole thing. Yep. And so the, you know, the idea is that, you know, they stated what they're doing and what their goals are. And whether people want to believe that or not is up to them. It's not us. Um, and, and, and yeah, and even that, like, you know, when we first talked about it, we were like, okay, like, here's what I'm reading on their website. Here's the thing. Here's some questions I have. And when you and me are kind of talking about, you know, there's a lot of unknowns and certainties. And yet, you know, Nick and Karma reached out to me, started messaging things to me. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we kind of reflected, talked a little bit about what they said to me. And then it's like, hey, do you guys want to sit down and have a conversation? And they're like, yeah. And we sat down and had the conversation. And it was, um, and we kind of got, and I felt like a lot of times, you know, I felt like any questions or any uncertainties I had, I felt like those were answered. 
And I'm kind of like, okay, now I kind of know what, you know, Cog Firm stands for, you know, I, because I was able to ask the questions and hear from them. And I kind of know now. So, and again, if you don't know that, you can go back and listen to a previous episode. I can't remember the episode off the top of my head, but it'll probably just be the interview with Karma Wood and Nick Stanton Rourke. You, you just find that episode. That's the conversation we had with them. And you can know all about Church of God Affirm. Um, but yeah, so I feel like this has kind of been a question where they've been really trying to um, um yeah. And then, you know, there's been some other things too. Like people kept saying, like, oh, we'll be interested to have a meaningful, open, honest, respectful conversations on this topic. And but then other people say, I agree, but they don't want to have a conversation. They want to do that work. It isn't worth it in their mind. So kind of what's happening in the comment section is saying we keep hearing we want to have the conversation, but yet the conversation usually goes to we have a town hall meeting. We ask a question and someone kind of lectures us about what it is and we don't have the conversation. And even some people go, well, can we have the conversation at GA? And they're like, well, no, we can't have the conversation at GA because GA is not necessarily the platform to have that conversation, which then, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, then when can we, you know, I guess when can we as a movement or a denomination have the conversation on some theological disagreements or even just how we view certain things? How can we have these conversations? Um, you know, we're not really having conversations from the results of the just justice and equity task force. We've had people talk about it. We've had people do the research and the uh, surveys, and then we got the results back from it. But when can we actually sit down as a group of people and actually have that conversation? And I really don't know. I really don't know when or if, or we can. I think the only time we can have the conversation is just like, you know, you and me having a conversation with Karma and Nick. That's kind of where it starts. Um, yeah. But to get like a group, a large group of people within our movement to come to a certain place or a certain place to have the conversation and even have adequately online streaming for people who are watching online to have that conversation too. You know, it's kind, it's kind of hard to do that. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, so, I mean, that was really the first 20, 25 minutes of that is just, we need to be loving. We need to have the conversation. Jim's constant use of the word you instead of we or us, which I know bothered certain people. And then we get to our first question <laughs> and our first question and Micah, did you see the first question? Or because I know you came twenty minutes late. Well, I went. I went back and rewatched some of it. So the very first question that was asked at this town hall was highlighting specific races during certain months of the year seems woke and sad. How does highlighting specific races fit into the theology of the Church of God, Micah? Your thoughts on that question? <laughs> well, just gonna go swinging uh coming out <laughs> swinging i guess um ask the question again real quick ask the question yeah sorry it's uh highlighting specific races during certain months of the year seems woke and sad how does highlighting specific races fit into the theology of the church of god um i would say it doesn't hmm and and the reason and the reason I say that is simply you know it um, whether you're having this conversations of, of of race or equity or uh, inclusion whatever you want to call it <clears throat> the Church of God was around long before we had race wars the Church of God was around long before we had these conversations of inclusion the Church of God was around you know long before we had a justice and equity task force. Um, but at the same time, whoever made this comment or, you know, made this question, uh, asked this question, wrote this question, whatever, I don't know how they, how they went about doing that. Um, what lens are they looking through when they're asking that question and what's the demographic? And, you know, you and I've had this conversation, these conversations, um, on other podcasts, but it's like, 
the biggest struggle I have with this whole town hall meeting is, and, and I, I wanted to ask you this, um, mm-hmm. as I was thinking about it over the weekend, knowing that we're going to talk about it today. Um, do you, do you think this is helping or hurting the church of God? The, 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 I think that the idea is good. I think the idea has merit, but like when you have the general director, who's a 70 year old white person, male, right? Like who, I mean, that's what he is. Jim Lyons almost 70, or if he is, if he's not 70, he's right there around 70. And he has another guy on there who is, is, is white and who's older and like, not to make this a whole political conversation, we did that in another set a couple of weeks ago, but like the the idea of these generations ahead of us being so out of touch with reality and out of touch with what the needs of the church are is kind of hurtful. It's kind of uh, shameful in a way because it's like, they don't want to have the conversations. They act like they want to have the conversations and then they don't. They like, I I feel like the town hall, like the town hall is a great idea. Like, right. They're using technology. They're using uh, platforms like Facebook and YouTube to, to, to to reach people all across the the country and all across the world for our missionaries who are all across the world in the church of God. But like, you're right, Scott, if general assembly is not a time, to get together and have those conversations than when is because it's the only like and even then not everybody's going to be in the same room because people can't afford like we talked about it last year people can't afford to go to that because of the cost of living because of the cost of travel because of the cost of the registration because of the cost of hotels etc all those things and inflation on top of that yes absolutely and you know, people can join virtually, but like I've, I joined virtually, but like I, there was nowhere for me to ask questions. If if there was, I didn't see it until later. And then somebody, I think somebody told me later on that there was in fact a way to submit your questions, but that wasn't communicated effectively. So, um, Alicia and I have this conversation a lot, but like we're kind of in a weird season of life with, with generations, right? Like we're, we have, you know, our generation's having kids, raising kids, and the generation ahead of us, our parents, are on the cusp of retirement or close to it. But, you know, it, you know, it, it appears to me that, like, most people were clueless when it comes to to, to things that are going on in this world. And like you said, it, it, it it's just a matter of having a conversation and we don't have those conversations. Um, and like I said, I think in like something we talked about last week in last week's episode, but like, believe it or not, Scott, people are different from you and I, people are white, people are black, people are Hispanic, people are Japanese and Chinese, people are gay, people are straight, people are bisexual, people are transgender. Um, And if you don't believe that those folks are in your church, then you're out of your mind and you've lost it. And uh, Or if they're not in your church, it's because you're kicking them out because you want a certain demographic within your church. And and you're judgmental. And you're you're, you're the one that's casting the first stone, as scripture says. but back to the question about um, things being woke or not, I don't, I don't know that like, I don't know that I can, I don't feel that in, in, in churches, um, the whole idea of being woke and, and what I mean by woke is that some people think that people that are super progressive uh, have beliefs, you know, such as inclusion and there should be certain days and months for people that are of different races and different ethnicities and different, you know, sexual preferences and identities. Um, but was there more to the question or more to the the wording of that? Well, he, here's here's my thing, because the fact that they use the word woke, I thought was a very interesting word, especially when it's like, why are we highlighting certain races at certain times of the month? And 
just outside of the Church of God, and I don't know when it started, but as far as I can remember, as a kid, February has always been a month that celebrates Black History, Black History Month. Yeah. So for me, that's just something that's commonplace within society. You know, February is always Black History Month. Um, I mean, even when I went to Anderson, Friday we'd have a Black History Month chapel where we would have our you we we would have African American students do drama or sing, and we'd have African American speakers speak. And to me, I don't really see that as a place of division. No, because I almost because I almost feel like the question is is you know, how does highlighting specific races fit into the theology of the Church of God? Well, if we go back to the history of the Church of God, you know, and we said, you know, the Church of God was before race wars, Church of God was before this. If we go back to the history of the Church of God, the Church of God has a history of being open and being welcoming. open and welcoming to African Americans, especially after the Civil War. Um, and I know when the Justice and Equity Task Force began to dig deep into it, they found that there were some missteps that the Church of God made. But so, but kind of like our core foundational belief of our movement has always been that everybody that calls on the name of Christ is not only a Christian, but if they have a call of God on their life, that anybody can be ordained. That means people who are Hispanic, African American. Uh, even women, you know, Church of God, we we basically affirm women um, being ordained as ministers, because if God has put a call on their life to do that, then we say, okay, we can do that. So for me, the fact that we're using the term woke really kind of set me off a little bit, because then I'm thinking, okay, who asked that question? And plus, like you said, how out of touch is that people like, yeah, I can, I see. And even kind of the way Jim described it is that, you know, we believe everybody has something to say, you know, and he even made a comment like, Oh, if we go to Africa, could we learn more about God, Jesus and the Holy spirit from our African churches, from our African churches within their context. And it's like, yeah, we could probably learn some new things. By learning from them. Or we could do the same thing if we're in Indonesia. We could do the same if we're in the Ukraine. Um, so he kind of talks about how, like, you know, we're all unified. And, like, all races, all, you know, all races are unified through the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of the theology of the Church of God. Um, now, I don't know if necessarily that answered the question because the question was, how does highlighting specific races? And I think they kind of alluded to, well, it's okay for us to highlight specific races because A, that's kind of what we do as a culture anyway. And B, sometimes highlighting specific races means that we can learn from them. Because if we just didn't highlight any different races or anybody who is different from a different race, then we may not learn how they view the scriptures and how they understand the scriptures and understand theology, which... I, I could get that. Um, at the same time, were they, were they referring to like Black History Month specifically, or was this just like a broad, like? See, and that's the thing because I feel like it's in the month of February, and a lot of the questions, and, and again, a lot of the questions that were asked had to talk about stuff that was pertaining to some of the things that were coming up within the last few weeks. Okay. okay. So for me. I mean, maybe it could have been a generality, but I felt like the way the question was asked and knowing what was happening, and we'll get to that with our next question that was asked at the town hall. But I felt like it was kind of being very specific to Black, because I mean, the Church of God will highlight, hey, we're going to highlight this um, pioneer in the African, uh, this pioneer African-American minister within the Church of God. You know, we just announced that they're going to be a school of preaching, the uh, James Earl Massey School of Preaching, who James Earl Massey was a African-American preacher, a prolific one within the Church of God. So I, he, so, was the, so, he was also what the dean of the college of, he was the, of, dean the, of, the, school of the, the school of theology at Anderson. Yeah. So 
And so I don't, but so for me, it's almost like, well, if it was a generality thing, just because it's happening in the month of February, February. which is Black History Month, it almost seems like it's targeted, which, and I'll say this, like, even if it was targeted, like, why are we celebrating, why is the Church of God celebrating Black History Month? Is that dividing us? I mean, from all the, well, no, I agree with you, but I think even from the results, of what the Justice, Equity, and Task Force found, even though we say we're very supportive of our African-American brothers and sisters and other races, even though that has been kind of our heritage and kind of our foundational belief, what we have seen over the years is that hasn't been entirely the case. We believe that women have a call by God to be ordained as ministers, and yet when we look at the results, not everybody holds that belief within the Church of God. Some believe that only men can be preachers, and that's it. So I almost feel like, and again, I don't think the Church of God is like really pushing it more because of those results, but I think the reason why we're highlighting this is because let's look at the results. We say, this is what we're saying, this is what we believe, this is kind of our heritage, and yet we've seen over years that's not entirely the case anymore. Things have things have shifted. So if we stay, so if we're the Church of God and we keep talking about our heritage and taking pride in our heritage, well, we have to be supportive of people of different races and what they offer to the table, to the Lord's table, as far as you know how they view the Scripture, how they do community, how they're led by the Holy Spirit. We need to honor that, and and so that question, in some ways, I feel like is kind of misguided if that's what the case. But again. When you ask a question, we don't really know the person who asked it. We don't know the condition of their heart. So right now it's kind of at a point where we're kind of speculating, but I just feel that it was kind of a an odd question, and I think it was almost kind of an off-putting question. That was kind of my take a little well, bit. Well, I, I think, too, that, like, and we can move on, but, like, it, yeah. something that's interesting to me is that, like, man, I love, like, you. I think you said it in the last week's episode, but, like, you know, I love hearing our African American brothers and sisters lead worship mm-hmm. and speak because they get fired up, man. They just they light a fire under you, like, and and, and I love it. And um, like you said, you know, some are some of the most some of the most prolific speakers out there. And um, sometimes I'd much rather hear them because if there's a passion and a fire to what they're saying and to what they're doing, and it has nothing to do with with skin color. It just there's a lot more charisma to it. And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, it's 2024 and people are getting frustrated over that. And like, they're using terms like woke and mm-hmm. I'm like, well, then you're bringing politics into the church. And yeah, you and I've had that conversation and it's like, are you saying that because you have, a problem with with different races does that make are, are you are you a racist person like is that like that's almost mm. how it feels right like if you're bringing this up because you like why are we making this about wokeness like well do you have a problem with your own heart and mind and spirit and that's something that you need to work out and and we also have to remember too that there's also a month where it highlights the lgbt community and that's when yeah. we see like people like Adidas and Nike, they change their logos to represent the rainbow flag. Um, I've never once seen the Church of God Anderson change their logo to a rainbow flag during that month. Yep. So it's so for me, it's, you know, because even though this is kind of, you know, even though it's usually kind of customary that when there's a certain month, we highlight certain things like, you know, Women's History Month, we're going to highlight women. And we're going to talk about women. Um, You know, if there's Asian American, Asian American Heritage Month, then we're going to highlight some of the Asian Americans in the Church of God. But, you know, if there's an LGBTQ, you know, we're not highlighting that in the Church of God. We're not changing the the Church of God logo that is that whatever that thing is. um, It's not they're not going to change the colors to a rainbow color with that logo like they they won't. And they never have. Um, So. That and then, Micah, you mentioned earlier. You keep you keep mentioning the thing, asking the question, asking the question. We need to sit down and have a conversation. Well, I think 
kind of where the issue with some people is, and this was something I pulled off the, um, there's a group that I'm part of called like the Church of God Senior Pastors Group. And there was someone who wrote this, and this is kind of, I think, I believe it's in response to the town hall, because I don't know why they just would have randomly wrote this on a Friday when the town hall was on a Thursday. But it says, 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13 tells us not to talk to those who call themselves a child of God, but continue to do or condone things God's word says is truly sin. We're not even supposed to sit down to eat at the same table with them. Now, there will be those who will say Jesus sits with sinners, but that doesn't apply here because these are people who believe themselves to be right in the eyes of God, even though their ways and beliefs are contrary to the word of God. Some may say, well, maybe we can persuade them to turn from their false beliefs. My answer to that is that these are not ignorant sinners um, who have no understanding of God's words. These are people who know the word of God and are ignorant, ig arrogant, believing that the Bible is wrong or misinterpreted as it pertains to these particular practices and sins. Why does 1 Corinthians 5, 9, 30 tell us to stay away from them? Because they will corrupt, divide the church, causing confusion over these issues, sins. By declaring the church is not loving or Christ-like if we simply say no to their invitation to sit and talk with them over these issues, and he keeps putting in quotation marks, sins. Brothers and sisters, please say no when invited by these misguided souls to sit down with them. The conversation is already cited by God's word, and further conversation with these folks will be fruitless and unpleasing to God our Father. So when this is a Church of God pastor, and again, this is a older Church of God pastor, um, but his belief is like, hey, if these people say they want to sit down and have a conversation about some of these issues where I believe that God's word has said, no, this is, you know, an issue or this is a sin, then we're not even supposed to have the conversation with them. By doing so, you're just going to cause confusion. You're just going to cause division. Um, so you're not even supposed to have these conversations. And it's like, so even, you know, as as Jim is saying, hey, we need to have the conversation. We need to sit down and have conversations. And we're not seeing that actually really happening from a upper level. But even on a local level, we have people saying, no, don't even, we're not even going to have the conversation. It's fruitless. It's pointless. We're not even going to do it. And I just find that to be kind of, uh, kind of interesting. And even like yeah. the question, with one of the one of the comments someone said is, this question uses woke in a per, in a pejorative sense. That's unfortunate, and it's important to recognize. We highlight specific races and groups in order to to honor their experiences, to lift up their needs, to tell their stories. Our Church of God theology tells us that we are all one in Christ, and yet our differences cannot be eliminated or ignored. When one part of the body suffers, all parts suffer with it. Rejoice with those who rejoice. So even this person saying, hey, using that word woke is kind of, uh, it's kind of saying something. Um, so I find that, again, I find that interesting. Um, what was the second question? Oh, so the, the second question. Oh, so the second question is, why is there such a thing as a preacher Sunday? Shouldn't people be selected to preach by the leading of the Holy Spirit and not gender? Now, to describe what's happening with Preacher Sunday, because you might be like, oh, what's Preacher Sunday? Well, they say preach, but then they have the capital H in it in her. And what they're doing is they're high, it's an initiative from the uh, CWC, which is the Christian Women's Connection, the women within the Church of God. And they're trying to, again, they're trying to do something where on a specific Sunday that you can have a church or an ordained Church of God female pastor preach within your congregation for that summer or for that Sunday. So they're kind of highlighting that. And again, like I said earlier, I believe this is kind of a response to the church of God, not fully believing that women can be ordained, even though we say that that's one of the things we're proud of within our heritage. Um, so I think that's kind of where that's coming from. And someone's saying, well, why can't anybody preach who's led by the Holy spirit? Why do we have to have a preacher Sunday? So, Micah, your thoughts on that? Well, I remember watching the uh, the General Assembly virtually last summer. And, um, you know, this was one of the conversations that was brought up in the amendments that they passed to um, have a preach her 
Sunday where they're going to try to fill all the pulpits on one Sunday a year with women uh, preachers in the Church of God. And in my opinion, and, and, and yours may be different than mine, Scott, but I think that like, I think it kind of uh, diminishes the work that we've done to include female pastors. Yes, we can celebrate and yes, we can have a specific Sunday a month or a year, but why aren't we celebrating all 52 year or for, I'm sorry, 52 weeks of the year when you have folks who, who are lead pastors who are female, who are youth pastors that are female, who are worship pastors that are female and they're leading some, some of those prominent churches in the church of God movement denomination movement denomination uh, <laughs> that you know like what it almost feels in a way like they're singling out women in that way and 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 I may be completely wrong and I'm like and I'm not trying to be offensive when I say that but it just like when it there's already been a tremendous amount of work done to include women to be pastors and leaders of churches then it, does that make sense? Like it almost feels like in a way that they're singling it's, out. It does, folks, I, I, or singling out a gender for one Sunday a year when people are filling pulpits fifty-two weeks of the year. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and I understand your point of view because, um, I mean, and I mean, and the fact I think it's a cool idea. It but is, it's, but like, but like making a big deal about it is like, well, why aren't we making a big deal about it? That like people like Dr. Melissa Pratt is the lead pastor and she's leading one of the biggest churches in West Virginia. Why aren't oh, yeah. we talking about Jeanette Flynn, who's been on our show, you know, many times? Why aren't we talking about, uh, you know, Stephanie Collins, who's the lead pastor at the Gathering in Muncie, Indiana? Oh, yeah. Why aren't we talking about, uh, you know, folks that that I know and have grown up with that are women leader, Megan Flores? Like I just know yeah. all these women who are successful in ministry who are women, and I just well, don't it, understand why I do, we have I, to make. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I know. No, I get it. I get it. Because I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, I could think of like a Mary Stevenson and like a Shannon New Spangler, like they're Rebecca Rebecca New Edson was, is is the, she just retired, but she was the state pastor of Pennsylvania and she had a successful tenure as the state pastor of PA. And I mean, you can even go back. I mean, you can look at the Lily McCutcheons and the Diana Swopes too. Like, Oh, she was phenomenal. Oh my gosh, I love Diana Swope. Oh, I miss her so much. Yeah, she could really preach. Oh my gosh, oh, she was goodness. fantastic. So, I mean, but I mean, from what you can, for those of you who are listening to watch this, you can hear like me, me and Mike are like gushing because we do. We have such a strong heritage, female heritage or female pastor heritage within our movement. And it's great female speakers within our movement, great female worship leaders, great female youth leaders and children's pastors. Like it's great. And Micah, I get, I understand like, you know, why do we have to have one Sunday to really highlight this? Because it should be every Sunday. I mean, we have such a a pool of talent within our church of God. I mean, the fact that we have a Christian women's connection on a national level and we have no like men's ministry, on a national level really says a lot. I mean, to me, it says a lot because I mean, men's ministry, even within the local churches is not existent anymore. I mean, it's mostly all women because there is such a strong thing. So I get, I understand all that. My, where I kind of see how preacher Sunday is important because even though we can talk about all the women who have success, there's probably a lot of other women out there who just don't get the opportunity because they may be in a region of the state where there's church of God pastors who are, you know, male church of God pastors who won't even give them a chance because they have a belief that, well, women can't be ministers, whether that's how they interpret the scriptures to whatever the case may be. So I think in some ways you don't really you ha- you almost have to have one so even just having one sunday does kind of seem very like well that's kind of a slap in the face and i can see that point of view uh to the talent of women we have within the church of god but i can also see that we have to do that because we have statistics are saying that as a heritage with even currently there's a lot of people within our movement who don't believe that women can be preachers or women can preach or or that they have anything viable to say to the church 
And I find that very insulting because women do have interesting things to say. And not only can it not only empower women and and young girls within their congregations, but it can also empower um, men and boys. I was, and I think there's a story that Jim told that there is a, I think is like a, one of his relatives, like one of his great grandfathers or something where he didn't believe women could be preachers. And he had that belief. And then he went to a camp meeting there, whereas the women spoke to him and it transformed his life. And he gave us, and he like, kind of gave his life back to the Lord. And it's like, you know, if, if women can't be preachers, then why are we seeing so many of them making, not only making an impact, but the Holy Spirit using them for lives to be transformed? Mm. I mean, I mean, because if, if that's the case, then I really don't know that if that's truly the case, that women are not spirit driven and they can't change lives because they're not supposed to be preaching, then I would have to say, well, there's so much evidence of lives being changed by women proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, and especially if this was going to be a topic of interest during this town hall, why did Jim not have a female? That Someone brought him? that up. Someone brought that up in the comment section. I'm like, you know, I totally agree. It, you, could add a, you could add Kimberly Majeski up there. You could have two. Instead, you have two white, older dudes sitting there just and again, shooting, he's an, the, shooting the breeze. He's in Indianapolis. He could have had Stephanie Collins. I'm sure if he said, hey, Stephanie, you want to be in this town hall to talk about Preacher Sunday? I'm sure she would have been tickled to death that she would have drove all yeah. the way from Muncie to Indianapolis to do that. 15, min 15 minutes, by the way. It's only yeah, like it's not minutes. even that far. <laughs> I'm sure she could say, sorry, guys, no staff meeting today. I'm doing something for, I'm doing something for, I'm doing something important for our movement. And they would have been like, okay, Pastor Stephanie, you go, you go, girl. Like, I'm sure they would. And I don't think yeah. that would have been an is issue at all. So, so that was that question. And then the last question that was asked in this town hall was, um, hold on. I, 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 I have, I have screenshots of comments. How can we maintain unity while respecting theological diversity? Uh, <laughs> Which opened wow. up a huge can of worms. Oh my gosh. In the chat. Oh, yes, you did. You did. And well, I'm wondering too, like maybe they can, but like I, I'm, I'm assuming Jim has somebody there producing these Facebook lives with him, but like he can see the questions, right? But can he see the comments? I don't I think if he can. can. See the... I don't okay. think there's, I don't think he can see the comments. I think, I don't think he can see the comments because I mean, in order to do that, there would have to be like a screen. And again, you know, and I'm not I'm not taking away from Jim, but if he's like in his 70s and you have a screen that's kind of far away so you can get like some of the good wide shots that they're using, I don't know if they had a, pel a, a teleprompter or anything where he could even see any of this. Because I'm sure if he could see some of this and see some things, he might be able to clarify something like when he kept using you and someone said, why are you using you? That's causing the vision. He could have been like, oh. Sorry, I didn't mean to say you. I meant we, and kind of start using we from now on, and kind of apologize for that. But I don't think you could see any of these um, comments. Um, yeah. So, um, what was the last question again? The um, the last question is: How can we maintain unity while respecting theological diversity? And I'm kind of curious if that has to do with, you know, the people who have a difference opinion in women in ministry, those who have a difference opinion of the topic of race, or even, or even, you know, like we've mentioned before, those who have a difference of opinion with what the Church of God Affirm wants to do or what they're trying to call the church God to do in regards to the LGBTQ population. So how can we have unity, even though we are theologically diverse? I would almost swap out diversity for division. The word Ooh. diversity for division. I mean, I would. I mean, because we're divided. I mean, we're divided as a church. I mean, that that is a fact. And um, I think somebody said it in the comment section, but like, if you continue to just sugarcoat it and act like it's not a reality, then it's going to continue to be a problem or to continue to not be addressed. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, it... 
And I feel like even the comments, because there was one comment that was mentioned. I think I, I think you you screen grabbed it, but there was something where someone again, this is going with the whole Church of God affirm thing, but they kind of said how much Jim is sugarcoating this issue and he's not really addressing it head on. And it's and he's not biased. And it's not biased, and it's because he has a son who is is a homosexual. Yeah, and and but, so I. And and I don't know. And here's the thing: like, I don't I don't want to be like on the Jim Lyons bashing train because I'm not. I'm not going to. Oh, not, absolutely not. I'm not on that train like some other people are. But you know, it's kind of hard when you are the general director, and you're at this time where there's so much division within our movement, and you're trying the best to try to talk about certain things and address certain issues and try to do certain things when you have people who, and even if you take a neutral standpoint, because I know a lot of pastors who, when they talk about things or if they have to address something from the scriptures that may reflect to what's happening in the world and they take a neutral stance on it, they end up getting bit by both on those who are on the way opposite sides of that view or that issue. And I feel like it's just a hard place to be in, especially within our movement. If if any power really comes from General Assembly, which I know after the town hall, there is somebody who mentioned, you know, they really want to know how the whole town hall thing works. Because they remember one time where there was a town a, or general, I mean, sorry, not town hall, general assembly. Where years ago, there was a general assembly where the Church of God kind of disapproved kids going to preparatory schools because they were mostly run by Catholic churches. Uh, but obviously, we don't feel that way anymore. So, I mean, is anything that happens at GA a permanent thing? Or is it just something that, well, at that time it is, but as time evolves, it no longer becomes an issue anymore. Like, you can't go to certain schools because they're run by Catholics. And Church of God's like, nope, we can't do that. Like, I don't know. And that and that, and that makes it feel like the Church of God is like the most judgmental church on the face of the planet Earth and that they're the only church that exists. I'm here to tell you, friend, there's going to be Catholics and Episcopalians and Methodists and Lutherans and Southern Baptists and Church of Gods and Church of Christ and Church of the Brethren and Mennonite church believers, all who call on the name of Christ as the word of God says, the Bible says, all who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And you know, and it doesn't I, matter the name hmm. of the church on the door. You know what I think is funny, though, about all that? Because I believe, or at least I feel like anytime I've learned about early church got theology or the start of the movement, that was the whole idea that eventually, because we, the way our theology was that all these other churches were going to kind of leave. So all the Lutherans were going to not longer be Lutherans, and we're just going to be one unified church of God. That at least was the apocalyptic vision that D.S. Warner had many, many years ago when the church of God movement started. But at the same time, I almost feel like there is a pride with that, that we are the best. And if you're not on the Church of God train, then you're you're not then you're not with it. And I feel like. That has kind of almost shifted to almost being a very much like, hey, we want to be unified to now you got to conform to the Church of God beliefs. And it's good. But here's the thing, though. How can we conform to the Church of God view or the Church of God beliefs or the Church of God vision of all of us being all one and unified when we don't have one? We don't have one. We don't have a vision. We don't have an identity. Which Jeanette said that months ago when we had her she on said before. That months ago, we need to. We have out an identity crisis. We have an identity crisis, and we need to figure out who we are. And unfortunately, that's why we have people writing woke in a question. That's why we have other groups that have a whole different theology and a view. Like, I mean, if you look at Church of God Anderson, they're going to be different than we have the National Association as far as their practice and maybe some of the theology that's going to be different than Pastors Fellowship. And yet we all and, and yet we are all part of the church of God. And yet we have all these different groups within the church of God, which I believe when I read the book by DS Orner about what the church of God is, what the church of God isn't, he was very against any type of Christian denominations, but also any type of Christian subgroups. 
So the fact that within our denomination, we have other subgroups within our, I mean, I'm sure DS Warner, I mean, I don't know, but maybe he would be like, well, why do we even have a CWC? Why can't we affirm and encourage everybody? Why do we have to have all these different groups? Well, we have to have the different groups because there are people within our denomination who believe that women can't be preachers. We have people in our denomination who believe that, um, you know, that, you know, the African-Americans don't have anything to contribute. So that's why the, the NACOG kind of established because of some of the practices and views that the church of God was doing at the time that kind of rubbed them the wrong way. So now we have that group that they're kind of like, they are associated with us, but they're also their own separate group. And then even like, you know, and again, I don't know too much about Pastors Fellowship, but I'm sure Pastor Fellowship, I don't know when they started, but they probably started because they felt like that the Church of God was heading in the wrong direction. So they're kind of like kind of pertaining this ideal view of what the Church of God should be. And I think in some ways that's kind of looked down upon too, because I think D.S. Warner would be like, what the heck are you guys doing? We shouldn't be having this i don't Didn't know you send me something a couple of weeks ago about that like they're uh, what they're going to be uh preaching on teaching on this year yeah pastor's fellowship i know that we're not talking about that today but like i think part of that included uh, one of the topics included a firm uh something not chaga firm but like something about affirmation i think is it was the topic yeah. or well something. here's the thing about pastor's fellowship because even when the whole thing about I think you and I talked about it before we started recording podcasts, but there was something where it was right when all this stuff with Black Lives Matters and the George Floyd and all that was happening. And that's when the, we started using that term woke. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, and then at the Pastors Fellowship, there was a topic where it talked about wokeness in light of whatever. So it was, and it was like an old white guy talking about wokeness. And I'm thinking, that seems a little off-putting. How do you know about what? Well, yeah, and I'm sure it may have been a good conversation, but it's stuff like that. Like anytime when something's happening within our movement or something that's happening in our culture that they disagree with, they're going to have to have like a little meeting or a topic during their pastor's fellowship meetings that highlights that thing and talks about, well, here's the the correct view of this. And this is why, you know, how do we stay Christian in the age of wokeness? You know, and I think that's kind of, the thing is like it's almost like that's why pastors fellowship is going to stay the way that it is and have the group of people that go to it every year and and they they're not going to go to 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 the national convention and they're not going to be a part of the national movement and they're just going to sit there and 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 sit in kentucky and have it at the same church and do the same speakers and the same group of folks going and doing the same exact thing that they do every single year that they which is fine great god bless them they want to have church however it's just like it just feels like for me I I used to go to that pretty regularly years ago, and it just seems that like okay, you have eight church services in two days, and they're literally like carbon copies of each other, and they're literally and the only difference is that it's the speakers, right? Like they rotate worship leaders, they rotate speakers, and it's like yes, they're phenomenal speakers, but after about two or three years ago, and like some of the people that speak speak every single year, and it's like. And one of the things I told my dad early on was that, like, it just feels like it's the same people over and over and over. Like, why don't we have younger people who are really good speakers within the church instead of some of the same people that you're having every single year? And then, like, they had, like, okay, well, they had, okay, now we're going to have women speak at Pastor's Fellowship. Oh, you would have thought that, that, that Jesus came back because they had women speak at Pastor's Fellowship. I mean, but I don't know, Scott, if you can tell, but I'm really struggling with this generational thing of like, why are these people that are way older than us who are out of touch with reality (laughs) and the basic needs of what the church needs trying to tell us what we're doing wrong when all we're trying to do is navigate this life when life now is completely different than what it was when they were in their prime. When they were well, our age, yeah, and even and even going back to the question, the the comment that was made on the senior pastors group, the fact that oh, we shouldn't even be having a conversation. Well, here's the thing: me having a conversation with someone does that mean that I'm supporting or affirming their right. issue or their sin? Like sometimes, I mean, when I had a conversation with Cog Affirm, 
I had the conversation with them because I didn't really know. There was a lot of missing pieces that didn't make sense to me, and I wanted clarity. And now that I got clarity, now I can make an informed decision whether I agree with what they're trying to do or I disagree with it. I'm not supporting anything. I'm just trying to figure things out. And I feel like. And that's, and that's, and to be honest, like, is the conversation that we're having about this unpacking of this town hall? Like, I think that's what a lot of us are trying to figure out. What do we believe? And what are we, what are we supposed to say? And what are we supposed to share with folks? And what are we supposed to like share with our parishioners if we're pastoring churches? And I, and it's like, cause leadership comes from the top, right? Leadership comes from the top down. And I just don't feel like we're getting that. And well, here's the thing too, because like you know, with me teaching, you know, with me teaching confirmation classes, which I never thought I'd do ever, and I'm doing yeah. it now, and I still don't know what the heck I'm doing. Um, but one of the big things is anytime we go over a topic, I always challenge all 17 of my students to send in a question about anything, about what we've read, what we talked about, or even if there's a question they have about the Bible, do it. So they have a question. So they ask a question and then I start having, so I start trying to answer those questions. But then even afterwards, I had a student come over there and he was talking to me more about a topic. And, and again, I make them anonymous. I'm not saying, Oh, so-and-so asked this question because I know some of them, you know, they're, they're seventh and eighth graders. Like I don't want them to feel embarrassed by a question they ask. So I'm like, I'll keep it anonymous. That way no one knows who's asking it. But he came in, we were talking and we had a really good conversation to the point where I had to run upstairs and get into the 11 o'clock service because I was having a good conversation with this kid. And, you know, and, and but the thing is, is I think sometimes asking questions and learning from other people is going to do two things. One, it's going to help. It's going to help get rid of any preconceived notions I have or any judgments that I have. To kind of learn a little bit. And then even after the end, if I still disagree with that person on what their beliefs are, or what their view is, guess what? I can walk away. I have a buddy, literally I have a buddy that I would do Bible study with in Virginia who didn't go to the church I pastored at. But we would have conversations. This guy, this guy knew the word. I mean, he knew the Bible inside and out. But yet some of his theology would be things that, you know, I may disagree with. And there's certain things about my theology that he would disagree with. But we were still able to sit down, have Bible study, learn from each other. And even if we had disagreements and we would talk about it, we never went away and got mad. I think that was the one thing. And he always says, you know, I always appreciate you always listening to me and always hearing what I have to say. Because there's times you go to church and he would say like, hey, I don't agree with this. I agree. With, I, I think that this is the way scripture and whether he was right or wrong, depending on whatever church he was attending a lot of times the pastor would always say no, tell them no, and not only tell them no, tell him no, but then also would basically say this is the way we believe, and if you don't like it, get out of here. And I feel like no wonder this guy doesn't go to church. He just does a church service with him his wife and his kids and they every Sunday they read the Bible, they have a time of worship, but he won't go. He won't step foot into a church because anytime he goes in there and anytime he sees something that he may disagree, instead of sitting there and having the conversation and even disagree, still feel welcomed and warmed. And even though we disagree theologically on this issue, you're still welcome to attend here. You're still willing to do that. It is just like all he's getting is, nope, you have to leave now. Or sometimes he pulls into the parking lot and there's already ushers out there or elders waiting out there basically saying you're no longer allowed to come in here anymore. And that happened a lot in Virginia. I mean, there's many people who came to the church I was pastoring at who were told that there's times where they're going to church and they would say certain things. And all of a sudden they were told they're not allowed to come back. And when I'm like, oh, what would you say? And they tell me, I go, well, that's a weird thing to be kicked out of a church for. That's really weird. You know, so I um, and I say all that because, <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm, I'm getting emotional here. I say all that to say that. Um, because, yeah, the Church of God doesn't have an identity. We are in an identity crisis. We are a divided movement. And the fact of the matter is, is the division is. You know, I mean, some people think the division is coming from the younger generation because we, we maybe we're too woke, if we want to use that terminology, or 
it's coming from the older generation who doesn't simply want to have the conversation when people start bringing new things to the table. And even if we say, oh, church got affirmed, that's a new thing. Well, we don't want that at our table. That's fine. You don't have to accept it. But are you even willing to hear them out? Because I'm sure most of them believe that they want us to have, they want us to go the way of the UMC and have ordained LGBTQ ministers. And it's like, I never got that having the conversation with Nick and Karma. I never got felt like that they were pushing for the Church of God to ordain LBGTQ pastors in the Church of God. Never once did that even got brought up. Every time it's like, can our churches be safe places for the LGBTQ community to worship? That literally was the foundation of why they put that out there. And yet we have people who have signed that document who are now losing their credentials over that because they say we want to have safe spaces for these for the for this community to worship in our churches. And they're saying, okay, you know, you're going to lose your ordination now. You're no longer going to be credentialed minister in the church of God. Oh, and then you take to take that a step further, like those are states. That's not national. Yeah. And and even national's response to that was like, well, if the state, the state removes your credentials, then they have to send the paperwork to us to approve it. But then you could write an appeal to us and then we can review it. Then the national level will repeal, will kind of overlook everything and make a judgment if we're going to repeal, if we're really going to take your thing or we're going to repeal the state's decision and reestablish you as a church God minister. And I feel like Man, you At can't that point, get... people were just like, "No, I ain't doing it. I'm out." It's it gets well, it gets too complicated. Plus, I mean, the way Ministry Connector is, that thing was a, and that's a technol technological side. That thing was a garbage fire. I mean, you talk, we've talked there still, we shared stories about our ordination and how you had troubles with your ordination, just because it's ran by people, and certain people have certain agendas and certain things. And for me, it was more of like I went from Northeast Ohio to Central, and all of a sudden. They can't find my file. And even the stuff in my file was incorrect. And even at the end, when I was about to get ordained, the person that my mentoring pastor was trying to get a hold of to get my information and file basically said, oh, hey, I just want to let you know I'm not doing it anymore after months, literally six months of trying to get correspondence, nothing. I'm about to go for my defense. And then we finally get an email saying, oh, Scott's not even, Scott's not even licensed. And my mentoring pastor says, you know, you did all the work. Don't worry about it. You have done all the work. Just go ahead and do it. And you're just going to go through and you're going to be fine. But the fact that you sometimes have pastors who are running things who are unreliable. I mean, there's no. For me, it's like there's And again, it's 45 days. I believe what um, Joshua said was, you know, you have 45 days to appeal once they get the document. Well, how many people will say, OK, you're no longer ordained anymore, Micah? And then after I make that decision or the credential team makes that decision, what happens if it takes like a year before we actually send that notice to Anderson and you're sending stuff to Anderson to repeal and they're saying, we don't have any paperwork. We don't have your record on file. We have got no correspondence from your state governance thing saying that you are no longer ordained as a minister. And again, that's not national checking in on that and taking care of it. That's not the state saying they're taking care of it. That's on you. And sometimes you get so exhausted because of the unreliability of people. And maybe sometimes whether it's just people are too busy and they can't do it, or people just want to be in that position of power and kind of are being uh, petty about it. Like we don't really know, but either way, we have a serious problem within our movement. And I feel like, like you said, I think the town hall is a great idea, but I also think that, Maybe, and I, and I know Jim does it because he's the general director, but frankly, maybe it should be Jim doing it. Maybe you should have two different people. And again, I don't know when these questions were coming, if they're coming right when they were doing the town hall or if they were kind of ahead of time. But even if they're done ahead of time and you knew they're going to talk about Preacher Sunday, you could have easily said, hey, Kimberly Majeski, can you come speak at this town hall? Because there's a question about Preacher Sunday. And can you sure. address this? Hey, there's a question about Cog Affirm and ordination. Joshua, can you, and you could have had Kim and Joshua do it and Jim didn't have to be a part of it at all. Especially since he's retiring, he's out the door. 
he's going to be out the door pretty soon. So why don't we have other people within the movement who can kind of speak for the movement? If it's a thing about church uh, preacher Sunday, have someone who's a part of that committee who put that idea together to really explain it and talk about what it is. I mean, don't have Jim do it. I mean, I'm sure he probably knows about it, but that's not probably going to be a good, but I don't think Jim's at the waking up and he's at all those daily meetings trying to put this concept together. He's probably just saying, oh, that's a good idea. I give approval for it. And that's all probably about the extent of what he did. It's a so, mess. It is. Oh, it is. It's a mess. And that's why after, I mean, I text you, I said, this is a train wreck. As, as it's kind of, and even after they were done, they still, like, okay, we got to go. But then they still talked for like 20, 30 minutes. Or Jim talked for 20, 30 minutes. And it's like, dude, like you're done. Land the plane. <laughs> don't land the plane and then take back off again. Like, I don't know. Like, it is. It's a mess. And, and friends, for those of you who are listening, if you're part of the Church of God movement and you're just checking out this episode just to hear our thoughts, what were your thoughts about the town hall? Did you thought that, man, this was the best town hall in years? Or you're like, man, this is a dumpster fire. Do you think that, man, the Church of God is really divided and I really don't know what to do? I don't know what the solution is. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, well, I mean, what are your thoughts on some of the questions that were asked on that? Are you someone who thinks like, yeah, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't celebrate Black History Month as a movement, or we shouldn't have a preacher Sunday, or we should, you know, we want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear kind of your reflection on this. You can go ahead and send those thoughts either by posting something in the comment section, both on the Facebook page, or even on our YouTube channel, if you're watching this there, or you can go to the web, our website, thescottsteadman.com, and you can just click the email us button and send us an email, and we'll definitely uh, read your uh, letters and your comments on the air just to kind of get a reflection of what's been happening. So friends, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll be back on next week with another episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Scott Simmons podcast. The Scott Simmons podcast is made possible by support from our listeners. We thank listeners like Patty and Scott, whose support goes to this podcast, continual growth and maintenance. If you want to support this podcast, you can do so in a number of ways. First, feel free to give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode and share it with your friends. If you'd like to financially support the Scott Seven Podcast, you can go to the website ko-fi.com slash the Scott Seven Podcast. That website again is ko-fi.com slash the Scott Seven Podcast. Thank you so much for listening.